This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. If you're new to our church, we say welcome. We're in a series called When God Speaks, and today we're in part three, Answers to Our Prayers. And the title was selected before... We got announcement this week that Garth Brooks is coming to the Ozarks, and uh, this is my final announcement for the day, but tickets go on sale Friday at 10 a.m., and you can join 50,000 of your closest friends here in the Ozarks, and it is going to be something just to see how we get 50,000 cars around that roundabout uh, on 86, and I'm going just to watch that, Uh, but you know he has a song called Unanswered Prayers. And my kids joke with me all the time. They're like, Dad, you don't have to fix the lyrics in every country song we listen to because you're constantly giving us the theology correction. But I said, technically, we don't believe in unanswered prayers because God hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. And today we're going to see that sometimes the answer is not what you're demanding as you pray. It's not what I'm demanding as I pray. And today we're talking about entering into a passionate, persistent trust relationship with our Heavenly Father as Jesus, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 7, is going to show us what it means to be persistent in our prayer life, what it means to trust that our Heavenly Father has our best in mind, and that we would pray according to His will. In other words, A lot of times our prayer can be about what I want, what I want, what I want, but maybe today is a turning point for you and a turning point for me uh, that we no longer just pray what we want, but our heart and prayer is, God, what do you want? What is your plan for my life? What is your desire for my life? And, you know, as parents, we love teaching our children, and prayer is one of those areas we love teaching them. These are several prayers given by children. I love this first one from a preschool girl. Dear Lord, please send a new baby for mommy. The new baby you sent last week cries too much. I want a new baby. This young man said, Dear Jesus, I need you to make my mom not allergic to cats. I really want a cat, and I really don't want to ask my mom to move out. Passionate prayers. How about this one? Dear God. I need a raise in my allowance. Could you have one of your angels tell my father? Thank you. (laughs) Parents were teaching their children the Lord's Prayer, and uh, one little girl got it mixed up a little bit, and she prayed, Our Father who does art in heaven, Harold is his name. (laughs) Amen. It was actually in a church bulletin. I brought the picture to prove it, but uh, autocorrect or spell check got a hold of it and changed it, and They said the people in the service, when they saw it in the bulletin, they prayed it with passion, and maybe you would pray the same thing too if you saw, deliver us from email. (laughs) And all the teachers said, yes. So (laughs) years ago, uh, Jane Boone uh, emailed me, and and she said, you know, there's two things I I do often when I teach or preach or lead out in a service, I'll I'll say, and everyone agreed and said... uh, Or I'll say, and it's in the name of Jesus that we prayed and said. And so their daughter, Lauren Boone, kind of came up with her own version of it when she was young. And she said, Ted, around the dinner table, whenever Lauren prays, she ends her prayers always like this. And everyone agreed with Ted and said. (laughs) 
Lauren is an adult now, and Jane, I texted Jane last night. I go, I'm sorry, I know this a long time ago. Which daughter said that? She goes, it was Lauren. And just so you know, Ted, she still prays that at the end of her prayers. So in Matthew 7, Jesus invites us to be persistent in prayer. That's how this begins. And you've heard the ask, seek, knock, but we really want to see it today as Jesus gives it to us in this relationship of a father with his daughter and a father with his son. Now, let me ask this question, mom. Have you ever had to tell your child no? <laughs> Raise your hand if you've ever told your child no. Okay, let me ask this question. After you said no, was that the last question your child ever asked you? <laughs> Did it stop your child from asking you questions? No. No, the an they didn't get the answer they were looking for, but they kept asking you questions. They kept coming after you. But as you grow older, right, as children get a little wiser, they realize, okay, I need to change the way I ask the question. And maybe their tone changed, and they weren't as demanding with what they wanted. I'm talking like a four-year-old now. Uh, weren't as demanding. But then as they get older, they realize, man, there's even a time of day that works better for making this request. <laughs> but the point is, they keep coming after you. They don't stop when they don't get the answer they're looking for. And here's what we know and what Jesus is going to teach us today is the father gives good gifts to his children. He has our best in mind. He, he hears every prayer. He answers every prayer. But instead of me demanding my will in heaven, I want to see his will in my life and on earth. And Jesus starts in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, the one who seeks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Ask, seek, knock. We get this beautiful picture of a child who's being persistent, going after a parent. Now, where do you go in your home when you just want a little alone time, mom and dad? Where do you go? The bathroom. We call them bathrooms. I prefer rest room. Use it with its intended purpose in mind. Rest. Just find rest when you need a break. And have you ever been in the restroom and you hear what? Mom, dad, they're asking for you. And do you respond? No. You sit there and like, they'll stop asking. Do they stop asking? No. You hear the feet moving around the house. Sometimes the voice gets faint. Sometimes it gets louder as they hone in on you. They're seeking you. And when they get to the door and you've turned off the light, <laughs> what do you hear? And if you don't answer that, you see this. <laughs> and you start going, come on, I just, it's three minutes. I just want three minutes. You're not going to die without me out there. And guess what? It plays itself out over and over and over again in your home. What a beautiful picture for you and for me about prayer. Have you given up on praying because you ain't getting the answers you want? Are you giving up on prayer because maybe you don't feel like you're being heard? Jesus says it this way as he continues. So ask, seek, not go after it. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, mom and dad, though you are evil, what is he saying here? You're sinful. You're sinful and you know how to give good gifts to your children. You know how to meet their requests, to answer their requests. 
You do that, mom and dad. It's in you. You want to protect and provide for your children. Goes on to say, you know how to do this, give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? He wants us asking, seeking, and knocking, and trusting that he has our good in mind. And believing, and some of us, we trust so much that we've stopped praying. God has my best in mind. He doesn't need to hear from me. I trust him. Trust him completely. If you trust him completely, ask, seek, knock. Continue to press in. John Piper puts it this way. In answering two very important questions and referring to this text, questions people always have, does God hear my prayers? And does he respond to my prayers? Or does he answer my prayers? And John Piper says this, God never ignores his children. He's never too busy, never lacking in resources, never confused, never ill-disposed. He is always attentive. I want to pause right here in the quote because when I think about though you are evil, and I think about myself as a dad, uh, my kids don't always have my attention. I, I, I can be easily distracted as a parent. I can sometimes be too busy. We can look at our kids sometimes as a distraction. I don't want to ignore them, but I have. Right? But, but, but now he's saying, but your heavenly father, your perfect heavenly father, always attentive, always gracious, always eager, always wise, always loving. He hears every request from his humble, trusting children, and he answers with whatever is best. It always pays to pray, always. But we get answers, just like you as a parent. That's why I love this text comparing my role as a dad with my children to that of my heavenly father with me. Because sometimes we get this answer. We hate this answer. Who loves this word? When it's being given to us, the answer, no. No. But as a parent, your child comes to you and says, Mom, can I have Sour Patch Kids for dinner? Your answer is, there's always, in every first service, four people, yes. If it'll get them off my back. No, why? Why do you say no to Sour Patch Kids for dinner? Because you have their health in mind. You have their well-being in mind. You care for your kids. You're providing for your kids with a no. And then they come and they go, hey, can I have a snack? And it's not a hard no, but it's a not now. Why not? Right? They, ah! Well, it's because dinner is in 30 minutes. It's not now. Does that mean you're never getting a snack again? Does that mean your little Debbie will never cross the threshold of our home again? <laughs> No, it's just not now. You, I, I know when dinner's coming, you're playing around, you're messing around, you're not paying attention. I know what's best, mom and dad's saying. But then there are times, can I have a Swiss cake roll? Yes. Yes. And the answer is yes. And here's the bottom line as we, enter, as we move from this passionate pursuit, persistent pursuit in prayer and trust relationship, our loving Heavenly Father hears every prayer and answers for your good and His glory. Every prayer He hears and He answers for your good and for His glory. Are you trusting in Him? Are you still making demands, wanting your way? I, I heard Francis Chan speak this week. It's one of the best messages. 
I've heard him give, and it was a, a short piece, but he said, here's the problem with your generation. He was talking to the younger generation. He said one of the problems, and when he said younger generation, I just, as a 48-year-old, kind of threw myself in there. And I said, because <laughs> it had preached, he said, the problem is, and I see this today, he said, you value your thoughts too much. Scripture tells us his thoughts are greater than ours, and his ways are greater than ours. And we need to be pursuing those. Remember, we looked at it. His will is in his word. And you're valuing your thoughts too much. And in your prayer, what do you need to be doing? What do I need to be doing? I need to be leaning in, trusting my heavenly father and seeking his will and seeking his way and his thoughts for the next steps of my life. My, my daughter and son have trusted me their whole life. And I think the picture that we always use when we talk about a child trusting a parent is the child on the side of the pool, and we're saying jump. The first time, right? They've never jumped. Jump into my arms. You can trust me. And, you know, nine times out of ten, they can. <laughs> but we've had the moments where our, our, we, we weren't there for our kids in a way. And, and, you know, but my daughter, she was in the last service, and She's married now, but probably 10 years ago, she was young, and we went to Cabo, Mexico on vacation, and uh, again, Midwest people at the beach, very dangerous, can be very dangerous. We don't know how to behave. We don't know the rules. I didn't know what the red flag meant, uh, waving outside the hotel, uh, and I went out. There was nobody on the beach. There was one guy out there swimming. He went down under the waves, and I guess you can do that when the way. But I've, I've never seen this Pacific Ocean. The waves felt like as high as the ceiling. I mean, they were massive, and so you weren't allowed to swim. And we were standing there, you know, you know, you know how the Midwest people. Anyway, we're there. We got our boogie boards. We're ready to go. And I'm sitting there as a dad, and my whole family's looking at me like, what are we doing? We, we just booked the whole vacation here. What, are we not going in the ocean? And I got this idea. Again, this is how you'll know I'm from Illinois. I go, here's what we're going to do, Corinne. I said, when the waves go out, I've timed them, okay? We're going to run down there. We're going to set the boogie board down on the sand. You're going to jump on it. And when the wave comes back in, it's going to gently lift you up. <laughs> I was convinced of this myself. And it's going to bring you up on the shore while I'll be waiting. And so... <laughs> So we timed it just right. I set it down, and man, I got out of there as fast as I could. And the wave engulfed my daughter. The guy out there, uh, I don't know why, but he was somebody you would all know his name. He, he comes swimming in thinking the wave's going to take my daughter out. And I wave him off. I'm like, we got this under control, right? <laughs> uh, just move more over in this direction, though, in case she comes over. Corinne does eight somersaults up the beach. Sand everywhere. I mean, she was unrecognizable when she stepped up, hair matted down with sand. And uh, I go, was that fun? Did you have fun? But a 10-year-old is looking at me like, was that what it was supposed to be, Daddy? I want you to take a moment and think about your kid. I can think about being in a busy, busy downtown in a big city. My son's not a hand holder, but when he was young, when he got into a crowd and was overwhelmed, what did he do? He grabbed the hand. This is what Jesus is talking about, about your heavenly father caring for you. He, he's always attentive and he's always listening. So, so how then do I pray? In 1 John, 
we read in verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence or assurance that we have when we pray. We should approach the throne of God boldly and with confidence that he's hearing us and he responds to our requests. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, the scripture teaches three types of will. The sovereign will of God, what his plan and purpose is and has been decreed and will happen. The moral will of God, which according to his character, it's right and wrong. Okay, And then the permissive will of God. Yes, we live in a world uh, filled with sin and people do sinful things to you. You do sinful things to other people. But yet in the midst of that, God can still work together all of it for his good. But we pray according to his will and his will is found in his word. And he hears us. It says, and if, and if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. But here, here's the difference, though. I think sometimes when we talk about prayer, people confuse this loving heavenly father with some cosmic genie in a bottle. That I just pray for whatever I want. And I just demand my way. And I bring him the list. And you're going to do this. And I want my will on you. And I want my will in heaven rather than your will on earth. And in John 15, 7, we read about this abiding abiding in his word. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But isn't it interesting how we like to read the second half and focus on the second half? If you skip the first half and just read this verse, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It's kind of like when we read Philippians 4.13. Many people read that passage wrong. They read it, I can do anything I want through Christ who strengthens me. And that's not at all what that verse says. It, it says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And it's speaking there of living your life in Christ during the extremes of life. Not whatever you want to do, Christ will empower you to do whatever your wish is. No, remain in me and my words remain in you, aligning your will to God's, aligning my will to God's. I don't want to just give you my demands and my list. You've heard of acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Sometimes we skip the adoration, confession, or thanksgiving, and we go straight to supplication. We just bring our list, and this is what I want. When our prayer needs to be saturated with, God, what do you want for me? What is your plan for me? Many of the plans in my heart, but you ultimately order my steps. What is your plan? I want to know it. Give me answers. I trust you completely. I, I trust you with the little things. I trust you with the big things. Show me, guide me, direct me. Jesus even prayed this because some people at this point would say, why pray then? Why pray if God's decided? Well, Jesus, as he faced the agony of the cross, he knew what lied before him. He knew what was coming. And yet he prayed this, Father, if you are willing, take this cup or wrath from me. But he ends it with how we should be ending our prayers, yet not my will, but yours be done. I want to pray according to your will and your purpose and your plan for my life. What is best for me? No, not now. Yes, some of you have big decisions to make. 
Big decisions. Some of you made a big decision in the last two years to move to Branson. If you moved to Branson in the last two years, would you raise your hand? I always love to see this. And look, yeah, look around the room. Welcome to the Ozarks. We're glad you're. Was that a big decision? It was a big decision. Yeah, it was a very expensive time to move to Branson. Uh, are you going to Garth? Yeah, never, never mind. He's not fully saturated in Branson culture yet. Uh, but I'm saying moving to Branson, that's a big deal. I talked, I don't know how many people who wrestled with that decision. Some of you wrestled with selling your house, and you really wrestled with it until the realtor showed up and told you how much it was worth, and then that was an easy decision. Sell, right? Yeah. We're out. But you have big decisions to make. There are students in here. You're in your last year of high school. You've got a big decision to make. Where are you going? Where are you going after this year when you leave home? What, what, what's, gonna, what's happening? James tells us the same thing about the will of God. Now, listen, you say today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money, right? So plan, be entrepreneurial, buy, sell, do business. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist theme throughout all of Scripture that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, and we need to be praying if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. From cover to cover in your Bible, aligning my will with God's. So what, what do you do if your, your prayer life would, you would maybe describe it as non-existent? Ted, we, we pray at mealtime, but that's pretty much it. Uh, Ted, we used to pray as we dropped the kids off at school. We don't do that anymore. And, and uh, school's starting back. We're going to get back into that. Uh, you know, we used to pray with the kids every night before they went to bed. And now that our bedtime is before theirs, uh, that it just kind of threw things off. I'm in that season of life. I mean, my son gets home from work and I am crashing ready to go to bed, but we still pray knowing he ain't going to bed. So, I mean, I get it. That it can move from a prayerless life sometimes. Sometimes you're just, you're, your prayer life's in a rut. Like, you're not asking, seeking, knocking. It's not a persistent, regular, ongoing, frequent prayer in your family from the time you get up to the time you go to sleep at night as you sit at home, as you walk along the way. So let's talk about a reset for your prayer life. I love, that's what I love about going back to school week. This is a great opportunity to reset. Reset as a family. Number one, I'll give you four ways we can do this. Pray for all people. Pray for all people. And I think the, the reason this is so important, because maybe your prayer life is in the rut where you're only praying for you. You're, you're your primary prayer. And there's a lot of people around you that need prayer. You see them every day. Scripture says, Paul said to Timothy, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings. I want to tell you, some of you, since he's been elected, have not prayed one time for Joe Biden. Pray for Joe Biden. Some of you are like, I do, but it's probably not what you're talking about right now, Ted. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you, pray for your president. Pray for your vice president. Pray for your senators. Pray for your congressmen. Or woman, pray for aldermen, pray for your mayor, pray for all those in leadership, all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives with all godliness and holiness. I just want to encourage you, Sheriff Rader was in the first service, and I said, the next time you're driving through Stone County and you pass Sheriff Rader, stop and pray for him, not you. Because you know as well as I do, when you pass an officer, 
Prayer starts pretty quick. But again, it's usually for you. When's the last time you prayed for a sheriff's deputy or an officer? Protect them. They have a job where they are serving and protecting us with all that's taken place and all the disrespect that's come toward our law enforcement. They need our prayers. Pray. Pray for all people, all those in authority. You're like, boy, my kid got a rough teacher. We were praying we wouldn't get this teacher. Pray for your child's teacher. Pray for your child's administrator. Why? So you can live quiet lives. Pray in every situation. Like, well, what do I pray about? In every situation. You're going to find people that need prayer. Pray for them on the spot. Don't tell them, hey, I'm going to pray for you. I love I told some guy this week who called me for prayer. I go, let's pray right now. And he's like, over the phone? I go, totally legal. Yeah, we can do this right now. The NSA needs to hear it. Pray in every situation. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present present your request to God. Bring it to Him. Well, when do I pray? This doesn't get any simpler than this. Pray at all times. Maybe you memorize it in the King James. Pray without ceasing. You know what that means? It means pray continually. You know what that means? It means if you're not praying, you're about to. If you're not talking to your heavenly father, it's in your next sentence. Pray at all times. From the time you get up to the time you go to sleep at night. Pray as you drive down the road. Pray as you work. Pray as you mow. In a moment where you're like, I need courage right now. Pray for courage. I need wisdom. I don't know the next. Pray for wisdom. You don't have it because you're not asking. Ask, seek, knock. And then Jesus is very clear on this. Pray in private. Matthew 6, 5 through 6 is not a prohibition against corporate prayer. We pray together as a church family. But what Jesus is going to say is he's not impressed with prayers prayed to impress others. He says the same thing about giving. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, using big, lofty, fancy words, and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And what that means is, They were looking to impress others. That's what they're doing. It's all they're getting. They got their reward. Verse 6. But follower of Jesus, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Pray at all times for everyone in every situation and get alone. Again, we, we pray together corporately, and we will do that as we close out our service again. But when, when Jesus goes on and gives us the Lord's Prayer, it's interesting. Some people think the Lord's Prayer was given for us to recite it, but Jesus just got done teaching. That's not the purpose. It's not just about uh, a formula to recite. It's, it's just pray like this. And, and there's six requests made in the Lord's Prayer. And it's interesting. If you have your Bible, want to draw a line between the top three and the bottom three. The top three are all about what? I want your kingdom. Your will be done. The last three are, until your kingdom arrives, okay, until your kingdom arrives, would you do the following? Meet the needs of believers until your kingdom arrives? Will you forgive us until that day? And will you protect us? Let's look at that in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. There it is again. On earth as it is in heaven. And until your kingdom arrives, give us today our daily bread. 
provide for us. We can ask the Lord to meet our needs. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgiveness, and the last one, protection. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's why I take Sammy Rodriguez's prayer, and I've prayed it over my kids since they were, I think, five and seven years old before they leave my presence. Whatever we're praying for, whatever we're seeking wisdom for, guidance on, comfort. Been praying a lot this week for Dee Dotson, our dear friend who lost her husband and missionary. Uh, We've supported this precious couple for 20 years as missionaries to Tanzania. And we were at Bob's funeral on Friday, and I, I have been just praying comfort as we mourn with hope with Dee, and I encourage the church family to continue to do that. Whatever we're praying, I always end the prayer with my kids, with Father, cover them in the blood of Jesus, protect them from evil, and fulfill your purpose in their lives. Jesus goes on in Matthew 6 with, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And we end as we started. Our loving Heavenly Father hears every prayer and answers for your good and his glory. And everyone agreed and said, (laughs) would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, and in that mighty name, in the authority of that name, we ask, we seek, we knock as a church. Uh, We will not stop coming to you seeking wisdom and guidance and understanding for your plan and purpose and will for our lives. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would confess with their mouth Jesus is Lord. They would repent of their sin, believe in their heart that he's been raised from the dead, that they would be saved, that today would be the day they invite Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of their lives. Thank you for this church. May this church be known as a church of prayer where we pray for one another. We pray corporately. We pray at all times for all people in every situation. And we do this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said.